Hello, my name is Justice, and welcome to the Education is Broken, and we are here to fix it podcast. Tonight, I am with my favorite partner of all time. <laughs> Hello, guys. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the Senior Vice President of Marketing here at 24-7 Teach, and as always, it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and our very, very distinguished guest. My name is Dr. Christy Taylor. I'm VP of School Design, specializing in higher education. All right. And as always, I am the CEO of 24-7 Teach, and tonight we are here to talk about the higher education bubble. Is it truth or is it fallacy? What do you think? <laughs> I think that that is a very debatable question. It really depends on the lens which you choose to view it. And as someone who has worked in higher education at the community college, state college level here in Florida for years, I think that that bubble can often be a matter of choice meaning that we promote, naturally college is the next step after uh, students graduate from high school. For many students, it's often the expectation and many opt to choose a university for the overall experience versus what they are actually going to be able to do with the degree or major. So if a student chooses to go to an expensive university for the experience or who they think they might know or meet or the network that they think they may be able to build, but then graduate with fifty to sixty thousand dollars in student loan debt just for an undergraduate degree, that may be more of a lifestyle choice when they may have been able to go to a community college first and take their first two years there. So there are other options available to students. So if there's other options available, is this really a bubble or is it a lifestyle choice? And that's kind of where I find myself debating that topic. Well, it's certainly point. an interesting one. Yeah, it is. And again, from my experience, again, I am not from higher education. Or so I mentioned this in a, in a previous podcast. You know, I, I went to a university here in the UK, a college, uh, purely because I was told because I didn't know what I was going to do for the rest of my life. That was the, the route I was pushed down. And I hear it all, oh, go and get the college experience, you know, live away from home and do college things. Um, but for me, like, I sometimes look back and think that those three years that I spent at college could have been better spent getting hands-on experience in the working environment as opposed to learning theory about a subject which I deep down sort of knew I was not going to go and pursue a career in. You know, I fell into that trap. Yeah, I mean, that is a good point. For me, I was lucky. I had aspirations of being an entrepreneur before I attended college, and I was lucky to be able to do so while in college and really have a business and a future pursuit before I graduated and really didn't have to worry about a job once graduation came. So I know I am an outlier in that, from that perspective, but I will, I will say this. I think when you look at debt and you look at the amount of debt that college students are graduating with and you look 
at the numbers of college grads that have bachelor's, master's, and even some PhDs that are not able to get jobs in their field. And in a the, in the sense, they're not even able to get skilled jobs. When you look at the debt and then you look at the jobs that these learners and, and basically college graduates are getting, they're not able to pay for the education that they've received. So I think there that's yeah. one element of a potential bubble. But like Dr. Christie said, there is a choice. And so mm-hmm. it's the difference between do I pay umpteen thousands of dollars to go to Harvard versus do I go to a local state college and, and pay one third of that for the same courses, the same information? Obviously, a very different type of network. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've got a question for you, Justice, just quickly on that. Which thing do you, or which thing that you did impacted your life more? Was it the college or was it entrepreneurship, running your own business? What gave you the most skills? So I was able to open up my first business when I was 21. I was a junior in college. And I would definitely say my business. And I was able to be in an educational mindset to where I was able to look at my business, not only as something to provide a a living for myself, but as an educational opportunity. So there was always something new to learn. There was always something new to accomplish. And I did it from the mindset of being a a student. So the entrepreneurial experience really gave me the most benefit. And I think I also had that mindset of being a student that allowed me to look at that time in my life very different Mm -hmm. from if I was just opening a business and not being in school. There was that element of one is better, but I think both gave me the best of both worlds. So Justice, I want to circle back to the original question about um, the educational bubble, because I think One area I definitely don't want to miss in this discussion as we move through and discuss the state community colleges versus um, universities is a lot of times those students in underserved areas will find themselves in debt because they are often the target of for-profit institutions who will charge them an enormous amount of money to graduate with certificates or degrees for supposedly in-demand career fields that they only end up making about 10 to $12 per hour for these jobs. Whereas a student may go to a state college per se and for uh, medical assisting and can pay a couple of thousand dollars for that degree. I've served on accreditation teams and we have looked at for-profit institutions and a student may pay up to $25,000, $35,000 or more for these certificate programs and uh, degrees, and then the amount of money that they are getting paid at the job will never be mm-hmm. enough to cover the interest or debt um, that they have. And so it becomes a cycle, a systemic cycle, where they are still living in the same conditions, but now you have the additional student loans. So a lot of times when we have this discussion, we talk about, again, that student who graduates high school and goes into that traditional university setting. But there is that set of students that um, we don't always discuss openly. And it's very important to include them in this bubble that we're talking about. 
Now, I do run my own business, and I do have to agree with the greatest lessons that I learned. And I and I and I love education. And and we talk a lot about having a growth mindset. And whether I have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset, I will tell you that a lot of us who have worked in education, we have a fixed mindset. And education is always the answer. It's always the answer. More education. But like yourself, Justice, I opened my own business, and I have found that the best education that I gained, no matter how many degrees that I have or how many certificate courses I have taken, the best education was that I have gained by far has been the experience of running my own business by far. The failures mm-hmm. and successes for that will never, ever replace the amount of money that I can invest in an MBA. And because I actually get the hands-on experience and can learn from my mistakes, yeah, I think that's um, I think that's uh, such an interesting point. Something which I saw the other day was thing that you know we were talking about obviously internships and it's obviously something we run with twenty four seven. But the question posed was: within five to ten years, are we going to start seeing internships much like college courses, where people are actually paying twenty? $50,000 to go and spend a year with Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or, you know, high profile, you know, CEOs for business people because they're actually going to learn more doing that and exposure to how to, you know, get hands on and exposure to a network. Is that going to be much more valuable than or any Ivy League degree? I thought it was an interesting, you know, concept. Is that what is going to lead to the bubble bursting? I think the biggest advantage of having that hands-on experience directly with the employer is that people will actually see how you work and you can build those relationships within the company immediately versus graduating and then kind of expecting to build those relationships. So that's, that is the biggest mm-hmm. difference. That is the biggest difference for me. Yeah. So I think it's a great advantage for people, for students. I definitely agree with that. And it lends to the question of, why don't organizations actually open up their own schools within their their business and really promote promote that training earlier than what is happening now because ultimately when you graduate and let's say if you learn accounting in school when you go to or when you start working in the accounting industry with a particular firm, they have their own way and their own philosophy around accounting that you have to relearn and actually operate in. So what you learn in school will always be very different than what actually happens in in the accounting world day to day for that particular example. In my experiences and what I've studied, and this is a this is also a problem about or a problem with the bubble and a problem with the cycle that the students that are graduating at the senior level, I mean, really you have only 30 to 37% of them are actually on level in terms of academics to graduate and to be able to achieve at the college level. So when you think about for-profit institutions, they're in a lot of ways, they're like the predatory lenders from the housing bubble that would say, you know what, 
you're you don't have the right credit score or credit profile, but let me give you this loan anyway. So it, it's like the lender is setting the lendee up for failure. And that's what essentially created a lot of the housing bubble for the United States, you know, a few years ago. And essentially that may be feeding the same the same education bubble now where the students are not at the academic level where they need to be to really achieve in college to the point where when they graduate, do they really have the skill sets that are necessary and needed by companies that are looking to hire them? The truth is, no, they do not. I was looking at a recent survey uh, that compared soft skills for students, things like communication, decision-making, their ability to um, think critically, to be innovative. Um, just to kind of give you some statistics here from this survey, 64% um, of employers said that, that new graduates were unable to work in teams effectively. Um, that new, that's only about 65% of graduates possess the ability to communicate effectively, or 42% of graduates uh, really understood cultural awareness. So I think that there's a major link between when students graduate from high school behind, they go into college behind, and now these students, once they graduate from college, the student's view on whether or not they're ready for the workforce is a lot different from uh, their employer's perspective. And so when employers are looking at a saturated job market where you have all of these students who have graduated from college with degrees, these students are in debt, that makes the, the even though you may have all of these graduates, the pickings are still slim because if I'm looking for a certain skill set, uh, I'm going to have to look just more than just beyond the degree. I need to make sure that these mm -hmm. that anybody that I employ has the necessary soft skills to be successful in the position that I'm hiring for. It's very true. I mean, it's interesting because obviously we all of us around this table are business owners. We we've run businesses and we've hired people, and I think one of like one of the key on a CV or a resume that I get. The education is almost one of the last things that I look at because I want to know what they are like as a person. What have they done with their life and, and what skills is that going to bring to the table? The education piece for me is almost, you know, it, 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 for, you know I'm going to, this may sound controversial. You know, 30, 40 years ago, a degree was kind of a special thing. You know, not everybody had one. Whereas today, it's almost like if you don't have a degree, you're in the minority now. It's exactly. that's certainly how it feels in the UK is, is you know, it's just you do your, your high school exams and then you go and get a degree. That's just what everybody does. Obviously, there's, there's going to be a lack of jobs to compete with that growing market of graduates. So I guess that leads on to is, is that sustainable? It, you know, can we carry on? And, and, and just to get again to add here, like in the UK, back when I did my degree, my uh, tuition fees for the year was £2,000, which is about $2,500. Uh, and the maximum that any university, including Oxford, Cambridge, wherever, that could charge was £3,000. That was the maximum they could charge per year. It's since gone up to, I believe, £9,000. 
But when I heard how much the likes of Stanford, Yale, Harvard were charging a year, I nearly fell off my chair. I was like, this, is, this isn't education. This sounds more like a business at this point. They're just seeing how much they can charge for, you know, is and is that purely because that name looks good on a CV? Is it the networking opportunities you get, you know, being around the elite? Um, again, I think it was Elon Musk who famously quoted saying, you know, I didn't go to Harvard, but the people I employed it. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Well, when you when you think about the economic framework of the of the Western world, right? The economic framework is it really incentivized academic achievement and academic credentials. So you could only get a certain type of job if you had this credential. And you could only really for a certain type of job if you had that particular credential. So the credential was linked to a specific income, which is linked to the idea of a specific quality of life. But now I believe the past two generations of learners are seeing the fallacy of that, that it's that credentials without skills and without proven mm -hmm. skills and maybe with the skills that are not necessarily being taught in their schools are really what's needed and what is being and what is being looked for. So the idea that, okay, just because I go to school and I get this degree, then I'm guaranteed this job or guaranteed this type of lifestyle, definitely a fallacy. And they see that now. Now we have I mean, that least, brings in the entitlement issue for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we have at least 10, I would say at least 10 years, maybe even 15 years of, of learners that are in graduates that are saying, you know what, just because I have this degree, that is not true. Now that's where you have these college alternatives and this, this reskilling or retooling industry where you can go in and get a certificate in a new industry or, or learn new skills. And it's done in a very quick way. It's done, it's done in a very economic way. And now you're, you're looking to change your career path. So I think colleges is being a four-year institution and giving you this one big credential and that big credential opens up a lot of doors for you is now paving the way to where it's a lot of micro credentials and micro skills and experiences that are allowing people to get those same jobs that were not, they were not able to even apply for, let's say 15, 20 years ago. So I would like to build on this point with my institution uh, for a grant and we are partnering with business partners in the local area. And what we're doing is based on the skills that are in demand in this area. And we, what we also do is we look at the number of jobs that are expected to be in this region uh, in Palm Beach County. And we try to make sure that we create programs, credentials, uh, certificate programs, degree programs that are going to match up with the actual demand for jobs in the area where we live. And a lot of times, this may not always be true for a traditional university settings, which will offer, you know, more creative approaches, uh, kind of let students kind of choose 
what they want to do and where they want to go. And when, but the, the issue with that is when students get to the end, they don't always have a degree that's going to necessarily take them directly to the job market. So I think it's very, very important to really understand the, uh, the, how those relationships and building that network of business partners and really understanding what their needs are is, is going to be a big, big thing for preparing students for jobs of the future. So teaching them things about like robotics um, and these short-term certificate programs where they can actually go to work and be engaged and continue to build upon their skills. That really is the wave of the future versus the traditional model. I mean, we want we want people to explore. We want them to have the experiences. But it is my understanding that the purpose of going to college is to find a job and to settle into life. So we want you to have those experiences to be able to do all of that. So it goes back to that bubble. If if you're having the experience and you of that you you know put together in your mind, if you have this experience, but then you graduate and cannot find the job, was the experience actually worth the investment that you that you put into this in terms of the amount of money being spent? That's very important. If I had a child that was looking to college within the next few years. I'm not sure I would suggest that. It obviously depends on, you know, if they want to be a doctor, if they want to be, you know, go into anything along those lines, then obviously it's, it's required. But if um, they were showing more signs of entrepreneurship, which I'd certainly hope they would, the, you know, the sort of the, the way that the world is going right now, um, I, I just don't think the debt is worth the learning experience anymore. I think the three years getting hands-on um, would be much better than the three years sat behind a desk, you know, reading, learning the theory stuff. Because as, as we've discussed, you know, you can get people with graduate degrees doing bartending jobs, doing, you know, literally sort of menial uh, jobs purely because there's nothing else out there for them to do. You know, the job market is incredibly competitive and that is only going to get worse. It's only going, you know, as we see, again, mentioned it, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, as computers, machine learning, robots, AI, as all of this starts becoming more mainstream, it's going to replace more jobs. Um, in fact, the, the other day I was listening to an interview which said lawyers, actually being a lawyer, is one of the easiest roles that AI can replace right now because it's very fact-based. And if you give a computer a bank of data, such as, you know, past cases, uh, you know, and basically fill it with black and white data, it can make a decision based on that. You know, there's not really too many gray areas. So even, you know, anyone going to a law school or something like that, I'm thinking, you know, give it 10 years, the Uber of, of law is just around the corner and you could be out of a job. And how much debt are you going to be in? after doing three years, four years, five years at law school with an MBA and whatever else. So for me, the education bubble around college, it's, you know, don't get me wrong. It's, it, there's no, there's no black or white answer. There's no ultimate solution for everyone. But I would say for the majority who are going doing degrees on social science, on history and politics, which is a degree I did, I'm just thinking it's not worth it. You're gonna, you know, you're better spending your time getting hands-on in the in a work environment rather than sitting behind a desk, and that that's my brutal opinion. 
I really think you made a great point there about are we just really paying $100,000 to just to gain knowledge and read books? And that is literally something mm -hmm. that we can go to the library and do versus yeah, yeah. like going out and actually, I mean, I literally have seen young people um, watch a YouTube video, learn skills and turn that into a business just from watching YouTube videos and proactively seeking knowledge. Mm -hmm. So, oh, I mean, I, I've done it in, yeah, I've done it in my own business. Like, I, I've created online courses showing people how to set up and build their own e-commerce website. And I went to a conference and this lady ran up to me, gave me a big hug. She was in her mid forties and she said, Dave, without your course, I wouldn't now have my online business. I previously, I didn't know anything about websites and through your course. Now I'm running an, an online business. I'm running an e-commerce business. And it's like, she didn't have to go to college for that. She didn't have to go to school for that. It, you know, she literally watched a course that I produced online and now she's making X hundred thousand a year selling toys online. And I, th I feel that's the future of education. So Dave, that's why I started this podcast saying you were one of my favorite partners because <laughs> that, that ultimately is what 24-7 teaches about. That right there. It's removing the barriers and creating opportunities for, just Absolutely. with information. And you served, mm -hmm. you served a great purpose for her as a great educator where you knew the information and you put it in a format to where she was able to get it and do something with. So I know behind the, the shock of someone that you don't know hugging you and, and giving you all this praise, <laughs> Like when you really yeah. thought about it, I'm sure there was a very warm feeling for you. Like, you know, you really, oh, it was amazing. Yeah. 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 It was amazing. Yeah. I was yeah, smiling so, all the way home. Yeah. So yeah. that is the 24 seven teach way that yeah, right there. Sure. I would also say that YouTube changed the face of, of education and beyond the internet, the internet definitely opened the doors, but YouTube, as a specific platform, it levels the playing field in terms of what information people have access to and they don't. So as an example, I, as a CEO of 24-7 Teach, I constantly have to stay abreast of what it's like to run a business and constantly be re-educated on business strategies. And YouTube allows me to hear different lectures uh, from great business minds and very successful entrepreneurs from all over the world at different, definitely at different times. And if YouTube did not exist, I would not have access to that. College, they're no longer the gatekeepers to entrepreneurship, to a lot of the, the job opportunities and the information you need to to get these job opportunities, they're no longer the gatekeepers. The information is there. It's the drive to find that information and actually do something with it. Put it into practice to the point where you create something of value and where you can show your skills, you can show your abilities. And I think from a solution standpoint, that is the equalizing, the one thing that will compete against colleges.
I want to add to that, Justice, just by saying, I remember years ago when MOOCs first became popular. If you guys are familiar with that, that is where they took traditional college lectures and put them online, and it's open you know, education systems. And I have seen colleges try to embrace the, We did it here in Florida. We tried to embrace the MOOC model. And to give you an example, what, what Florida did was to transform their developmental education system, which were the courses that were once required for students to take when they enter a, a state college, they were requ required to take a, a exam. And if their their skills were not up to a certain level, the students were required to move into developmental courses. Where when MOOCs first, first became popular, uh, they revamped the developmental education system here in Florida. And they wanted to give uh, institutions a the flexibility to use the MOOC model. Now, what's what's very interesting about what you just said in um, traditional learning institutions attempting to use or incorporate a MOOC model into um, how they do everyday business is that it actually has not always been successful. So, although MOOCs came from traditional educating education settings trying to actually incorporate this into a model where we, where we just tell students to, um, you know, you can use, you can go watch these videos and then come back and take the test or you can, uh, you can watch these videos to get your skills or to learn this. It doesn't always work out because I think in this, in traditional education environments, we can have this fixed mindset where Somehow, some way, we will still end up back right where we started, even though the MOOC model was an attempt to be innovative. So you're 100% right that the information is there. And for organizations that are trying to be innovative in education, it's going to take more than just send, simply sending students to, uh, to, those, to those resources. We have to actually teach them how to use them effectively. And we have to be open-minded enough to actually learn to use them ourselves, similar to the way that you have embraced it uh, with running uh, this organization. Well, you know, when you when you look at the MOOC model, the biggest challenge that they have is completion. Right. So, you know, it's free information, but like everything else, education is not so much about information as it is content and feedback. So if you were to break up education into three areas, you have the information itself, you have the context of the information, and then you have the feedback. And the latter two is where the teacher comes into play. And so you can easily, and that's the one thing about YouTube in terms of a video versus reading something in a book. And that's just a change in medium, but with that change in medium from text to video, there's a little bit more context. Where if you took that same that same information and you took it not from a video, but you moved to a live educator, there's a lot more context added there because then they can speak to their experiences with the information. So that's why it's very important that you have educators that are not only well-versed in the information, but they themselves have taken that information and, and actually have done something with it 
in the professional world that they can add that that layer of context that books and information just information can can't really relay so the other element beyond that is the feedback right, right? so the context and the feedback that a great educator who's very experienced not only with the information but with their own experiences with that information can really make you into a superstar in terms of that industry, right? So I, in terms of a YouTube class, I was looking, there's a book called Blitzscaling. And it was it was written from, I believe it was like 20 classes that Reed Hoffman and a few other gentlemen, a few of his partners from LinkedIn developed. And each class had a very successful entrepreneur talk about their experiences, but talk about a specific aspect of their business. And, you know, you had the founders of Airbnb, you had the the head of Y Combinator, you had, I mean, you had an enormous amount of talent and success with the people that were presenting in this class. And that class was at Stanford. So they wrote that book based around those lectures from that class. But if I didn't go to Stanford, I would have never had access to that type of information and that type of access in terms of them explaining their context with that information. But that's where YouTube came into, into play. I was able to see that and equate that with what I have to do every day in my business gives me the context that the video is lacking. And that's also what I was talking about earlier in our podcast, where for me, having a business and going to school at the same time, it gave me the best of both worlds. And I think that experience right there is the answer and what will make higher education really valuable for learners. It's the information, but also the playing field to where they can get the experience, get the context, and get the real-world feedback that's needed for them to be hireable by companies or even, you know, create their own companies, but definitely make them hireable in the, in the professional world. I 100% agree with you, and because I use the MOOC as an example, because as you pointed out, there's always going to be some broken link when we talk about trying to be innovative in higher education. There's always going to be that missing piece. So, so when MOOCs were popular, we wanted the students to watch the videos. But again, where was the feedback? Where was the actual engagement to carry that through? And that's why they have such a high failure rate in terms of completion. So it has to really be a holistic picture if we want our students to be successful. And so I really 100% agree with you that it's going to take students having that immersion experience where they get the hands-on learning combined with whatever subject matter knowledge that they are also seeking. That's what it's going to take for them to actually be successful. Um, and that is really one of the reasons why the dropout rate or are in some of these higher education programs is so high because students are not getting that experience. That, that really is the missing element, that follow through, the feedback and the experience that is very important. Guys, I think that's a, a great place to, uh, to call time on today's podcast. Um, 
Dr. Christie, thank you so much for joining us. Your insight has been incredible, and I've I've certainly taken a lot away from uh, from our discussion. Um, and Justice, as always, thank you uh, for for taking the time to join us. Have your busy schedule. And finally, thank you to you listening in to uh, our podcast. Uh, if you would like to find out more about what we're doing with 24-7, then there's a few places that you can find out for more information. The first is if you head over to 247teach.org, you can find out more about the organization and, and what our mission is when it comes to education. Uh, and basically what spun off this podcast of the education system is broke and we're here to fix it. And if you want to see more about what we do with regards to tools to help you get learning, find out more about project-based learning and our PBL curriculum, then head over to the 247learningcenter.org and you can find out more there. As always, the links to everything that I've just mentioned will be in the description below or whatever platform that you are currently listening to us on. Guys, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.